Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome in, Browns fans, to the OBR Film Breakdown. It's an off-day podcast edition. I'm your host, Jake Burns. The Browns did not have a session of practice today, but that doesn't mean we don't find something to talk about pertinent to the 2021 Cleveland Browns. With a fun podcast guest, listen, one of the more enjoyable conversations I've had in a while, we're going to talk about some names you've heard me talk about and some different angles on how the Browns' outlook for structure offensively might uh, might tweak up. I think you'll really like it. Before we get there, though, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent, something I keep seeing happen. Training camp hot takes. Like, you go watch a play, or a pl- actually go watch a player live, or you go on Twitter and you 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 watch a clip that that somebody posts and, and really the two people that keep coming up we're going to talk in a little bit about these guys but Rashad Bateman and Elijah Moore they keep coming up and I'm not picking on anyone specific if you were a listener to this and I've had this discourse with you I'm just talking about how we crown almost like have this gigantic amount of remorse about not having that player without also understanding that the player the Browns selected is worthy of the pick until they're not. Like, Greg Newsom is practicing extremely well. He looks the part. If you did not select a corner where they did, you would be feeling a lot less certain about the coverage. And again, I know wide receivers are fun. I like Bateman. I loved Moore. I pounded the table for Elijah Moore. But the situation continually came up at pick 26 where... The Browns didn't have a Greg Newsom or, or or that type of corner on the board. And to me, picking the player they did is fine. And you you know, and I get some of your but you don't have to every time you see Rashad Bateman go make a catch or this report from Elijah Moore, like you don't have to just feel sad. You could also feel really happy that the Browns did a nice job solving presumably solving some coverage stuff because you're presuming that Bateman and Moore are going to actually translate what you're seeing these clips of into actual production, which we don't know. We really don't. I know you see clips and you feel good about it, but you don't really know. So spending your time wallowing social whatever, it just is a silly notion to me because you needed Greg Newsom and there's nothing about what we've seen from Greg Newsom or what we believe he's going to be, that should sway you off of really liking the pick. So I get that you had your guys, and I really promise I'm not picking on anyone in particular here. It's just, And it's a thing I see other uh, analysts or other fans that I follow or, or, or talk to on Twitter. They do the same things. I get we have our guys in the draft. We really would have wished that X player or Y player would have ended up on the Cleveland Browns. But when you do that, I think to me it rubs off as I, I don't really think the Browns picked the right player, or I think... You know, I'd rather have this guy. When you do that, are you analyzing the big picture? That's all I'll ask. Because I think when you step back and analyze the big picture, you you can see just how vital a player of Newsom's caliber at that position and at that position in the draft really was. So something to really consider. 
Again, I get it. Uh, training camp is built for hype. It's built for takes. It's built for this guy's going to be this. I remember Devin Kajust. We all do. Those training camp players every year. And it's like, I've just noticed, and maybe this is just how my timeline on Twitter's curtailed. I, I, I don't know. It's, it just could be how I see it. But I just see these takes about players that the Browns didn't get at positions they maybe didn't quite need to address yet and, and, and kind of forgetting that the player they took at 26 was A, a fit from the guardrails of age, B, a fit from the type of person, C, a fit from the player's skill. And I'm again, I'm going to talk about this with our guests in just a moment, but I have to remind folks, I know there are players out there in the draft that you probably wanted that played positions maybe the Browns didn't draft at the spot you wanted, but that doesn't take away from the type of player that they did get at pick 26 who's having a really good camp, is getting great buzz around his play so far. Be excited about that. I'm excited about that. Let's cover more of that. That's all I'm saying. So I know training camp, time for takes, time for for, for draft, uh, draft regret way before anyone's even played a real actual football game. Hell, regular season. I'm talking even preseason. We got people with regret. I. That's not me. Let's see how it plays out. This is a long game. You're even talking about quarterbacks. You're talking about Baker. It's still there's so much to be figured out. So many things to happen. We all want answers right now, 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 now. This is a player. Let's define him. He's going to be this. He's going to be that. Let's let this stuff play out. I'm excited about Greg Newsom. I also wish in a perfect uh, a perfect world, a utopia, we could have also had one of Elijah Moore, Rashad Bateman, but that's not the world we live in. I like the guy they got in the second round. I like the guy they got in the third round. Let's see how these coaches dial things up for these players. And, you know, if those other guys pan out, that's whatever. You know, it's the process. Process over results. I think the process was right. So that's my tangent for today. Let's shift over to our guest, who is Kevin Cole of Pro Football Focus. He's been on this podcast before. He'll be on it again. Listen to his podcast, Unexpected Points. It's great. Get some perspective in your life about football. Let's get to that interview right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Kevin, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, I know we're, we're taking in a little bit of this uh, Hall of Fame game. Great football, but we stepped aside to talk football. Thanks, brother. Yeah, yeah, this is like a, a slight downgrade from the old Thursday night uh, regular season games that we used to get. That's right, man. That's right. These things are always ugly, but it's just such a uh, such a. It's like the first day of fifty degree weather in Ohio, or almost forty degree weather, where people are like, "This sucks," but also it's awesome. So, kind of where I'm at with it right now. Um, a couple things I want to talk to you about. Uh, obviously, respect. Let me let me start with the first question. Paying attention to your feed this week, you went after Dan Campbell. You did it. You you took the. You were like the fish 
on the line and you went after Dan and you got sucked into Bamani Jones tweets and like what was it like for you to see yourself go viral and just get called like like a data man like a, like a nerd all day how'd it feel yeah I mean it was it was it was fine I mean I'm kind of used to it the same thing that happens though well I've noticed a couple different things so one other time this happened to me where I did some coach thing where I just put a like all I said was this guy right all I said was this guy so I figured like the the less you put into the text of it the more it can get uh interpreted in the most negative way possible um Mm -hmm. so I thought that was that was probably a lot a big part of it but I also thought it was funny that I had about well, I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you, it was about fifty percent of the people just saying I'm soft, and you know, I never played football, and you know, I, I, I am soft, um, and I never played any sort of real, real, uh, you know, high level organized football. So that that's definitely true. And then the rest of the people were saying, oh, you know, he's just trying to be intense. He's not trying to advocate fighting. And then of course the quote comes out a day later where he's like, he was fired up when they were fighting, when they actually were fighting out there. So who knows. It's it's a tough crowd, man. There's some really smart people who talk about this stuff, and then there's some people who are like, you've got to have played football, and you got to have this old school DNA, and if you don't, man, can't can't. I, it's the weirdest thing. It's just like there are things on Twitter which you delved into there that there's no winning. There's no winning. There are going to just be people mad at you from both sides. So I applaud well, you. you. Know, I, I sat I sat back in for engagement though, just to like get <laughs> dunked on. I was looking at this. There was like a million impressions on that tweet. I actually gained more followers than usual. So hey, you know, go, getting dunked on maybe the new strategy once a once a month. You could. I think Omar Kelly put out a tweet this week about how. <laughs> did you see that one where his wife? He said he he was dating dating hot women and then he got married to his wife. And I'm like, all right, man, you do you. Yeah, so I yeah, sat I mean, back and I sat I mean, back I and think watched about your... dunking on tweets all the time, but I don't do it. But I remember for that one, my thought was it was like I was gonna put like congrats with like a question mark at the end. You know, like hey, good, I guess. Like yeah, yeah, man. good job there. Maybe uh, I don't know. I saw Bomani pick up the tweet and a couple others of yours, and I was like, man, I'm just going to sit back and watch my guy go through it. You know, I, I was listening to a podcast, the uh, the, call, the, the the coach's podcast that McVeigh was doing. What is it called? I can't even remember the, the name of it right flying now. Coach flying Coach. Like You're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And they, they had Tomlin and Raheem, uh, Raheem Morris on, and they talked about yeah. how your best friends in the business are the ones who, when things are going real wrong for you, they don't check in on you. They don't call you. They don't check in on you. They know to leave you alone. And I almost sent you a DM like, man, I know you're going through it. But I thought, man, it's probably a good day to just leave Kevin alone, let him go through the thing and deal with it and come out the other end. So well, also I muted. I have muted non-followers. So that's yeah. that's key. That's very key to life also. Very, very secret Twitter thing. If you get to a certain number of followers, you have to mute the people that are specifically there just to say things that don't pertain to you or know you or know what you normally do. So great strategy to anybody out there, too, who needs that sort of direction. Let's actually talk football. It came up on your timeline today about Donovan Peoples-Jones breakout. My listeners might be so tired of me saying this. I continue to try to temper expectations for what a breakout looks like for him because for me, Kevin, I thought he had a pretty good rookie season that entailed 14 catches, 300 yards, and two or three touchdowns. I can't remember the number specifically, but that's a pretty good six round pick rookie season. And if he duplicated it, if everybody's healthy, you know, Odell plays 17 games, so on and so forth. That's still a pretty good second season. If you show some other diverse things you can do slants, digs, comebacks, expand your route tree. So I think he's got the ability to get there. Um, and I think you talked about how, you know, the Browns need lay out for me why you think it's so great. It, it's pretty obvious, but I think it needs to be said why you think this needs to happen for Cleveland. 
Yeah, I mean, I thought we got a taste of it uh, last year when Beckham went down and then the receiving core was really Landry and for a long, you know, Higgins was a big part of what, what happened. And then you had, you know, maybe an Austin Hooper or someone else out there where we're talking about a few guys that are in the four, six, four, seven, four, eight sort of, sort of category. So I mm-hmm. think they really needed some dynamic speed. It was weird to think like, well, we could really use Kadero Hodge here, right? Like he was a guy that was down at certain yeah. point that you didn't have to, to provide that. So I think that's really a big part of it going forward. And also, you know, Landry and and Beckham are getting a little bit older. Their contracts are very, very expensive. You have a team that already has the highest paid offense in the NFL without a Baker Mayfield extension, big extension added on to to the end of it. So you combine all those things together and you may need to free up some cap space and also find a real dynamic wide receiver who can fill in there, um, especially if, if Beckham cannot turn things around, as we've seen some struggles with him on the Browns. Yeah, I very much agree. Very much agree. And I think if you can get him in the right place to be a year three starter, that is a that's how good teams operate. That's a home run scenario for a player that's picked in the sixth round. So I'm uh I'm fine I'm fine with, with Donovan being a high expectations guy. I hope he meets them. I've been trying to t- just kind of tell people not to box score scout him because that could kind of move off of what you think is actual progress and what isn't progress. Because if it's a a high tight end offense anyway, and then they have everybody healthy in the wide receiver room, plus you added a guy who's going to be on the field for speed scenarios, it just might not meet that same threshold of target. So we'll see how it shakes out. But then somebody had commented like, that's why I felt like the Browns, you know, because clearing the 30 million next year, uh, they had comment, someone commented on it and said, you know, I thought that's why they should have taken Bateman or more. And to me, while I loved in my my grading and, and study of these guys, I loved Rashad Bateman. I loved Elijah Moore, but I don't think I don't think they should have taken those guys there because the need in coverage was so overwhelmingly obvious. And Greg Newsom met the threshold, obvious age guardrail type of person and talent, scheme diverse talent. That that's the right pick. Now, like I talked before, I came on the air here with you about how some people like see these. They see these training camp clips and they think these guys are already proven. It drives me nuts. But it's like, I just don't think that's the right move. Like, I just think that, and you made a good point on the follow-up, which was, you know, waste potentially wasting a year of Rashad Bateman's contract would have been silly when they could use a player like Greg Newsom in the, in the specific situation that they need to be really good. So my kind of thinking was, and I kind of want to lay this out, and then I want to see what you have to lay out for what you think the future of that room looks like. I think they keep one of Odell or Landry. I think it leans Odell if he kind of finds any semblance of the player he used to be, which I think he was on track last year before the injury, and he starts to connect with Baker. I think you probably move on from Landry because of the the, 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 the overlap of skill sets. So you keep one of those guys. You, you go out and draft an early receiver, whether that opportunity presents itself in the first or the second. You have a third receiver in Donovan Peoples-Jones, who could start at the season as your second guy and be that guy. And then you have one of Richard Higgins or Kadero Hodge, whoever you can keep on a cheaper team-friendly deal. And then, you know, you have Anthony Schwartz, and you go from there. That's kind of like my dream. And then in two years removed, you would probably move on from Odell, too, because he's going to be 30, it's the end of the contract, there's easy ways out, no guaranteed money. So that's my vision. Do you think that vision is good enough to be successful with a big quarterback contract coming? I think it it could be. I mean, I guess 
maybe I would need to see a little bit more from Odell this season that he would be the guy that I would keep around. I, I think, I mean, these are, there's a lot of like what ifs that go into all of these different things. But to me, maybe I would think it could be a little bit more likely to flip it a little bit and say keeping Landry because of all that he brings beyond that. But then you would just, you would go to him and say, hey, you know, we, we could release you. Um, and take a $1.5 million cap hit and save all this money, uh, can, we re- can we redo your deal going forward? And I think maybe you could get Landry a little bit cheaper. He got a really big contract from the Browns coming over as part of that franchise tag and trade. Maybe he would take a little bit less money. So that that might be more of a thing. And then you would already have a speedster like uh, Peoples-Jones. You would have Anthony Schwartz coming along. Um, and then maybe you would draft a receiver there because we saw Baker be very, very successful as a rookie where he had guys like Brashad Perryman filling mm-hmm. that role of going down the field. And then he had Landry as being more of the the safety guy, dependable guy underneath. So maybe that would be a little bit better scenario going forward. It's going to play. It probably swings on how successful people's Jones. They feel like he can be because do they yeah. feel like he can replicate the X that is Odell Beckham, that position? If they do feel like that. You know, maybe they feel that they're comfortable with moving on from Odell and that contract playing, you know, DPJ there, finding a future Z, an off-ball, speedier type guy, uh, separation skills type. And it's going to be a loaded draft. There's going to be a ton of wide receivers in this next draft, just like there were in this last one. So I think we're, though, in agreement that they sh- they took the right player. I mean, I know it's early for all of these guys, and I, I've liked what I've seen from Greg Newsom when I've been there. I, I just feel like that process wasn't flawed. Did you think that that was an okay selection? We didn't maybe didn't even get a chance to talk about that, but did you like that pick there, depending? I mean, not not depending, but really based on who was left on the board? I mean, I have a pretty strong, like, offensive bias as far as my draft, eva- my, my very poor, you know, draft evaluation is is concerned. So for that reason, you know, I'm just more pumped up about guys like Bateman and other, and other receivers. But I think you're right, and what you talked about earlier saying that, there might not be as much opportunity. I mean, I'm just looking here for the Browns last year. It looks like it was about half of their um, half of their snaps, their their passing downs that they had 11 personnel, so they would have had three receivers on the field. So maybe we're talking about for a third receiver, you could get them something around. Uh, let me see. That would be around like 17, 16, 17 routes a game if they were playing all of those different routes alongside those guys and mixing in. That's just not a ton, ton for an impact player in in, mm-hmm. in year one. So, yeah, I, I think it makes sense to to go ahead and go with the defense, which needed a lot of help um, and and needed a lot of bodies at cornerback just to fill the, a bunch of different spots, start take some shots there and then come back around to, to receiver. I'm fine with that. Yeah, and two, a big part of the Newsom decision or whoever they would have picked as a corner in that spot was that they don't have to come in and be a guy who plays number one receivers every single week. That, that like Caleb Farley's outcome is going to be probably that. They're going to need that from him, and that's a tough ask for guys you pick later in the first round because most of the time those corners you select later in the first round have some little flaw, size, durability concerns, uh, whatever it may be. And asking them to go out for 17 weeks and cover number one wide receiver threats is a big ask. So I just thought the mesh of all of it pointed them in the right direction. So uh, I do, I do. I mean, I have a massive offensive bias too. It's, it's, uh, it's way, it's way more fun. I just, I dear God, I just watched that secondary. It was so hard. Um, good, good conversation there. Let's switch it up. I, a good friend of mine, friend of the podcast on all time, John Colosimo, who I think he, he talks with you a good about too, Kevin. He threw a question at me that I thought was extremely interesting. And I had a podcast 
uh, I don't know, a month, month and a half ago. Two guys you maybe have some con- uh, conversations with, Jack Duffin and mm-hmm. Anthony Reinhard, who, who, who's yeah, yeah. a super intelligent guy doing some stuff on uh, data and graphs. And, and we had, I had them both on. I wanted to talk because their, their thought process was the Browns are not throwing it enough on first down, which I know it's a hot-button topic. They're definitely not throwing it enough early downs. Uh, and we and they kind of got to the point. And I wanted your opinion on this to the point that the Browns, sh- I mean, the data says okay. So the Browns' early down rush success was some of the best in the NFL. It might have been the best early down rush efficiency in the NFL, and it still was less. I think it was less, if I'm remembering correctly, expected points added than their first down throwing. So mm-hmm. they can be the best in the NFL at running the ball in early downs, but the EPA still is equal to an average passing team. So I'm like, okay, so what are you guys trying to tell me? Do you think they should be throwing the ball like Texas teching this thing around all the time? Like they should just be throwing it all the time? Because I tried to argue, Kevin, that the mental burden on quarterbacks at the NFL level, there's no, you're not throwing bubbles. You're not throwing easy throw. Your mental burden in the NFL, if you're throwing the ball every time, is this quarterback has to make the right decision on 70 snaps. And that is an extremely hard thing for even the best in the NFL to do all the time. All the pressure's on you every single snap. So I'm curious, like, he posed this question to me where he said, it's the craziest hypothetical that I didn't expect to get. He said, theoretical question. Put Derrick Henry on the 2020 Jets with Sam Darnold, and you have 60 plays. Pass with Darnold, which would you rather choose? And I'm throwing this question to you, and you can answer it, and we'll talk about it as it pertains to the Browns. Pass with Sam Darnold 45 times and run with Derrick Henry 15 times, or run Henry 45 times and pass with Darnold 15 times. So I'm curious what you think, if you were given that scenario, hypothetical scenario, would you choose to throw the ball with Darnold 45 times? Yeah, I mean, okay, well, maybe maybe I'd have to think about exactly how we're framing this a little bit here, because if we look at what actually happened in... 2020 right so if we look Mm -hmm. what actually happened every single time that sam darnold dropped back to pass and threw the ball it was about 4.9 like net yards so we're we're taking out the sack yards are are, are being a negative there but then he also didn't do so hot when it came to interceptions versus touchdowns so if you think about it all together like the value that he was adding was probably the equivalent of about like 4.2 yards on each one of those plays whereas derrick henry last year was picking up 5.4 yards. He was doing it, you know, a much more like consistent kind of chunk basis. There wasn't the downside of the the turnovers and the sacks that we had with Darnold. So, yeah, if they if they were going to like replicate their 2020 performance, I think that's good. I think the problem with with a lot of these discussions is, you know, how many times is a running back going to be able to run the ball 378 times uh, like Derrick Henry <laughs> and average yeah. four point? I mean, five point four yards per attempt it's just not going to happen and how how many times is a quarterback even Sam Darnold going to be as bad as he was last season so I think that's where it comes into play is that you know you have to think a little bit about where the averages are across the league you have to think no matter how good or bad a player is they're going to regress a little bit and you have to think about the fact that you know just for an, an upside type of perspective the cap of where Derrick Henry can go with his upside is maybe, you know, around that 5.4 yards, something like that. The cap of where Sam Darnold can go is is much, much higher if everything fell into place. So I think it's really thinking about that, too, if you want to achieve kind of a greatness level of a team and be able to play around a bad defense, be able to play around things that may not be going your way penalty-wise, things like that. Being able to do all those things, you would really need to be able to, to pass the ball and, and do that for a lot of different scenarios, not just a one particular team that will work with Derrick Henry. 
Yeah, let, well, let's. Well, I'll answer the question he told me is is it's a point zero five EPA for the for the Darnold heavy, and a point four zero four EPA for Derrick Henry heavy. So your your numbers are pretty spot on for what that outcome ended up being. I wanted to tie it to what Cleveland is doing. You you and I talked about this a little off air. You said they're they're really a fifty fifty team. So it ties to the question: Should should Cleveland be like a thirty five twenty five split in a sixty play scenario? Should they be like thirty three twenty eight or what? I'm not great at math. What am I? What am I missing? Thirty three twenty seven. God, I'm an English major, man. Cut me a break. So, yeah, like, is that what? What do you think? Like, okay, give the Browns sixty plays. And I know there's situations that dictate things. I don't that that part doesn't miss me, but it kind of ties to the bigger question when I was talking about. They're talking to Jack and Anthony, like, should they be throwing 40-20? Like, what what do you think? The Browns are just so weird. No team has these running backs, you know? Like, I don't know. What I guess when you look at all the stuff you do on Cleveland, you do you're, you're digging into data all the time to produce your work. Like, when you see the best sweet spot for these guys, where do you think it sits? Yeah, I mean, it's it's another situation where, you know, Chubb is one of the best running backs in the NFL as far as our, our rushing grade, everything that he brings, um, yards after contact, uh, ability to force missed tackles, all that sort of stuff. So he's he's up there, and I think that's a sticky thing. So I think he is going good going forward. Now, as a default, I would say a 40-20 split is good, uh, but I don't want to be overconfident in that. So I could tilt in a certain direction uh, factoring in everything we want to factor in, but I would only tilt a little bit more towards the run. I wouldn't say I want to be that 50, 50 team. I, I just don't think that's a winning successful formula going forward. Um, unless they're playing in a, a windstorm every single week. Yeah. Well, you know, like they were for about three weeks last week. It was last like, a, it was a month of nastiness up there, man. Anyway. Uh, yeah, this is, this is fun, man. We could probably have a couple more of these. I would probably like to visit back with you, Kevin, maybe a quarter of the way into the season and, Oh, yeah. And see if they've tilted this thing, especially with their personnel going more eleven, maybe, or, or if we look at it and say Kevin's increased his early down passing, or is he being stubborn and continuing to rely on heavier personnel sets and running the football, maybe in some situations that are predictable. So we will expect your presence one more time, Kevin. Thanks for taking some time a minute away from this slobber knocking sixteen three Hall of Fame game to uh, to chat with us, Cleveland Browns followers. All right, well, thanks for having me again, and uh, yeah, be happy to join you again. I-, I love doing this. Of course, man. Steer clear of Dan Campbell, okay? All right, I'll try. <laughs> He's hopped up on caffeine somewhere. So a subtle reminder for you once again, uh, we are doing Twitch broadcasts pretty much Monday through Thursday right now. Things are going to get more uh, weekly, seven days a week, uh, coming as we get closer to preseason and actual regular season games. I did a chalk talk session last night with John Stephenson on screen game. Uh, I am not going to put that here. I think what I have noticed is that you, the response of you guys listening has not been great to those, and they're really hard. Uh, they're really hard to uh, to use as a as a content for audio only. You really need to watch the video. But as times get tough in the June and July months. I was hoping that anything would be good enough to uh, to fill the to fill your earbuds with, man, to talk football and maybe as if you're an audio only fan, that was something that you would uh, you would appreciate. So uh, if that was something you did not appreciate, I apologize for that. It's never my intention to give you something boring, but I, I, I I'm going to try to steer away from those. If you'd like to watch them, there on a Twitch replay on our OBR Twitch, twitch.theobr.com. Check that out. 
We have, like I said, stuff going up there all the time. We're transitioning pretty much everything we do there from a live media standpoint. We'll put things on YouTube the next day. But if you want to be a live member, check it out. That's the way to do it. You can go there and link your Amazon Prime subscription to it and and get a free subscription to our channel to support Brown's content. That always helps us. We would appreciate it. And it's very interactive, very cool. So I hope you guys do check it out. We are going to be rolling out on Friday an OBR Discord meant to bring everybody closer to the Twitch, but also provide a huge Browns platform uh, and a place for Browns fans to gather. The website doesn't change. All of the forums stay the same. All the website stuff that you're used to and love, again, stays the same. But Discord's great because you can take it on the go. You have an app. You have channels inside that app and our OBR server where you can... Talk about anything. Have great conversations with other fans, OBR staff members. You can be alerted every single time we go live. You can be alerted that we are doing a live Twitch stream or any article we write will be posted. It's going to be great. It's going to keep you super connected to the Twitch and super connected to the OBR and therefore closer, uh, therefore closer to the Cleveland Browns, which is awesome. You know, that's what you want to be as close to this Cleveland Browns team as you can. So keep your eye out for that. We'll have an article explaining it. Download the Discord app on your Android or iPhone. You have a Windows computer. You can put the app on your Windows computer too. It's really, really unique. I'm pumped about the Discord for our fan base. So check all those things out. Thanks again to Kevin Cole for joining us. He's fantastic. Check out his Unexpected Points podcast. Hit me up in the DMs or anything, guys. If you have tickets for Sunday's uh, Orange and Brown scrimmage, trying to get my nephews into that, if you have some extras, would be so grateful to throw them my way. Uh, otherwise, I haven't really searched for how to find tickets, so maybe I just need a connection. But, guys, the podcast listens have been amazing. You guys are supporting this thing. I'm going to try to keep keeping it fresh for you, different guests. In season, it'll be me solo a lot because I have a lot to talk about. And can't really be bogged down with hunting for guests, but I think it'll be really good content for you. Really hope you're enjoying it. We're close. Orange and Brown scrimmage Sunday, and then we'll be back a week later for the first preseason game, and the ball is rolling on 2021. Really, really exciting times ahead. Thanks for joining us, and as usual, till we talk next time, go Browns. <laughs>